Welcome to Kingdom Light Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now we've been busy uh, with a sermon series called RE or RE. And you'll see the image right here. It's called RE, but it's, a, it's RE in the terms of a prefix. Now RE is a prefix that you, that you add to a word to change the meaning of a word to do again. Do again. Now, in, in this last two, two weeks and today three weeks, we've looked at three words. The words were set, align and start. Now, we place, if we place the prefix in front of those words, it's the following three words. It says, it is a reset, how we perceive church. It is a realign, our focus as believers. And then to restart with a change and an outlook, with a change outlook on church and on life. And, um, and, and we've been looking at all three of these words. And today we're going to look at the third and the final one. Now, week one, let me just recap quickly for all of you who maybe you've missed this, uh, this, this first two, three sermon series or the first two, three sermons. If you missed it, it's all on our Facebook page. Um, uh, last week, we're still working on last week's sermon, but it will be on today. And uh, you can also listen to the sermons, um, the audio sermons on our, on our website. If you go to klcstalmos.ca.za, all those are there. So. Now, we've been looking, and let me give you a quick recap. In week one, we've looked at reset, first word. And we've looked at all the prophetic words that's gone out in the last three or four months during our pandemic and the, and the, the COVID stuff. And all the word that God has given through the prophets was that God was about to reset you as an individual, reset us as a church, reset family values, reset businesses. And, and, and we said that what, if we speak about reset, we need to look at the why and the how of reset. Now we looked at how and why Jesus had to reset the church when he was crucified and resurrected. Now see, Jesus came and he, he turned the church from a law-driven church to a grace-driven church. He changed the church from a passive church to an active and advancing church. And he changed the church from a religious a religiously led church to a spirit-led church. Remember that? It was such a good, good word. I enjoyed it. Now, last week we looked at realign, the second word of the three. And we looked at the Apostle Paul and his relationship to the church in Ephesus. And also his relationship to his son Timothy, or his spiritual son Timothy. Now, Paul had to realign and focus, realign the focus of the believers in Ephesus when he was imprisoned. And he gave Timothy three handles to give the church and to help them not to listen to all the old wise tales that there was all around in Ephesus, as we've seen last week. Now he said, and I love this, Paul said, my main purpose of instruction is for you to teach the church to love others or to teach the individual to love others. Isn't that amazing? He said that love had to flow from three things. A pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Three very specific and amazing things. If you want to go and check out the service, it's still on our Facebook page. If you want to, after later today, go and watch um, or go and look uh, last week's live stream. It's on there. I think it was, a, it was an awesome sermon. Now today, we want to look at the last word called restart. 
restart. Now, I spoke to a sports psychologist friend of me of, of mine this week, and he told me that this this three words we use: set, align, and start. It's actually three words sports or psychologists, sports psychologists use to help people to start something new in life. They use it, but he says that when they use the prefix with the word restart, realign, re, uh, reset, realign, restart, they actually help it, it, that the, the words with the prefix help the people to 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 start some sorry help the people to change a bad pattern in their lives something that they struggle with to perform better it's almost like pruning you see when we prune a tree and i've done a lot of pruning this week in my garden with all the the rains that we had my garden was going ballistic and i had to prune a lot of things and when you prune something it almost seems like, oh, wow, where's the bush? You know? But when we prune it, you set it up, you align it, and you start it to actually grow better and, and be more healthier. And it's the same that my sports psychological th- friend said to me, Henny, when, when someone struggles with a, um, with a skill or something, we have to reset their thinking. We have to realign their thinking. And then we get them to a place to restart to do better. And that's exactly what we're going to look at today. Now, the definition for the word restart is the following. It, is, it just means new start. But it always, also says in a, in a Webster's Dictionary, it says to resume after an interruption. To resume after an interruption. Now, if you look at the word interruption, um, we all know what it means. We have first-hand experience in interruption the last three months. Why? Because we went through a sudden interruption. Our lives were suddenly interrupted with the whole COVID-19 things. And we didn't plan for it. We didn't know about it. I mean, <laughs> I thought about it um, this week that when I preached my old year's Eve service last year, and we had a great word for 2020, we didn't even know the interruption we're going to have this year. Now, so many of us can say that most interruptions in our lives are never helpful. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I don't enjoy interruptions in my life. Why? Because it's disturbing. Actually, the the thoracist of interruption is to be disturbed, a disturbance. And we don't like a disturbance in our lives. Now, an interruption always comes around when you really don't want it to. (laughs) I don't know if you've realized that. But maybe you can't afford an interruption now and it's exactly the time when people interrupt you. Maybe you're busy with that, that final draft at work and you can't have any people interrupt you now and then somebody walk into your office and interrupt you. You don't enjoy that interruption. Parents, you would know. If you want to take that nap and then that sound or the car race past your house and wakes up the baby and the interruption you cannot afford because you really wanted to take a nap and I can go on and on that we really don't like interruptions in our lives. Now, did you know that sometimes an interruption can be life-changing? An interruption can be life-changing. I heard a story of a man being shipwrecked on a, on a, on a, on a, on a deserted island and uh, and he was there for, for months and even years. And one day he was very hungry. All the food on his side of the island where he had a shack lived in was done. And he had to walk across the island to go and look for food on the other side. So he 
woke up early in the morning and he tracked all the way to the other side of the island. And when he got to the other side, he turned around. And as he turned around, he saw a huge cloud of smoke on the, on the side of the island he lived on. And he was shocked and he raced back to his side of the island. And when he came there, his whole shack that he lived in was burned to the ground. Now he was so tired and so hungry that this just totally broke him. And he just fell to the ground and he just lied there. And couldn't believe that this has just happened to him. Life is just not for him at the moment. <laughs> and he just fell asleep like that. And the next morning he woke up with a ship right looking at him with sailors and they rescued him. And as he was on the ship, he couldn't believe it. And he asked the sailors, like, how did you know I was here? And they said, he said, there was no ships that I couldn't see any ship for months and months and months. And the sailors said, well, we saw your smoke signal. Now, you see, sometimes a man's interruption becomes his greatest gift. His greatest gift. Now, there's a great scripture in 1 Peter 5. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I want to come to the last part, but I need to read the first two, script, two, first two verses to give you some context. It says the following from verse 8 to 10. 1 Peter 5 verse 8 to 10. It says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Then it says, In His kindness, God calls you to share in His eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. And then it comes to the part I want to say. It says, So after you have suffered a little while, a little while, He will, God, will restore you, support you, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. Isn't it a great scripture. It's a scripture that we can use. I mean, I can preach two sermons from this, this piece of scripture right here. But see, sometimes we go through interruptions in our lives and God says, although you go through suffering, although you go through tough times, it always is just for a little while. If you think from the last real painful moment you went through before all the COVID stuff, if you remember it, it seems like a short little time. And that's exactly how God sees it. Although you go through something short or something extended or something, God will, four times more than the one suffering, He will store us, He will support us, He will strengthen us. And then He will place you on a firm foundation where He can build on you. And sometimes our present trials or present trials that we go through must be fitting us for something we would never expect. You see, you're going through some trials in your life and you're going through some tough things in your life, but God is just fitting us. He's preparing us for something we never would expect. You see, in our toughest trials, God is preparing us to start something new in our lives. Do you know that? That God is about to start something new in your life. He's about to start something that you've never would expect it. And sometimes we just look at the interruption and we're trying to suffer through the interruption. But God behind our backs in this moment is preparing us. Now during this sermon, sermon series we've been looking at the book of Acts. I don't know if you've, mentioned, if you've seen that but we've worked through the book of Acts. And last week we looked at Paul and, and a story from Paul's life in his missionary journeys. Now today I want to finish this series 
And I want to look at the story of Paul, or Saul, as he was known, and how his ministry really started. Now, Saul was earmarked, just to give you some context, Saul was earmarked as one of the most up-and-coming, brightest star Pharisees. Yes, he was, he was trained and equipped to be an up-and-coming star Pharisee, like uh, the, the high priests. And he was discipled by one of the greatest high priests in Jerusalem at that day. At that day. And he knew the law of Moses to, the, to every piece of it. He knew the law and he was trained well. You see, it was Paul's passion to be a great spiritual leader. That was his passion. But God had a different plan for him. He had a different plan for his life. Now, I don't know if, if any of you have noticed that, that our plans and God's plans for our lives don't always align to, to each other. <laughs> if you had a plan to do something and then God comes and changes it. And you can't, I mean, I, I always, with, with, it's like, Lord, how do you change the plans that I have? I can't understand it. And then I stumble upon this well-known scripture one day again in Proverbs 19.21. It says, many plans are in a man's mind. Many plans are in a man's mind, in your mind, my mind. But it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. You see, we can have the greatest plans in life. But God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And He's directing us down this river of our life and this journey of our life. You see, the greatest thing we can do is to keep on asking God, Lord, what is your plan? What is your plan for my life? And then obey and just follow. That's the greatest thing we can do. Now, let's go back to Paul. After the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed when Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Spirit was poured out, and that new church, the Holy Spirit-driven church was birthed, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem was furious. But not only furious, they were scared. They were scared. Why? You remember in week one of the sermon series, we spoke about Paul and John and how they stood in front of all the Jewish leaders, all the Jewish spiritual leaders who killed Jesus. And Paul spoke, uh, Peter, Peter and John, and Peter spoke boldly about the Jesus that they crucified. And the men marveled and said, how can this uneducated man speak so boldly with so much wisdom? You see, God was about to... Now, now in this moment, right after that, the disciples and the apostles went viral. God's spirit went viral in Jerusalem. So viral that the apostles said, listen, we need to focus our time on preaching and equipping people, preaching the word. And we're going to set pastors in place. To, to look at the widow and the orphan. And one of those men was Stephen. And we all know the story of Stephen was martyred and stoned to death because, because of his passion and the miraculous deeds through his life. Now, at that moment when Stephen was, was, was stoned and, and, and killed, the man called Saul was right there. And the Bible said that all the men who stoned Stephen lied their coats right in front of, of Saul's feet. He was there and he was okaying that moment of killing him because he was not part of the law. You see, God was about to restart Saul to become Paul, the apostle. Now, God was about to interrupt the religion and the anger in Saul's heart and to birth Paul's ministry to the Gentiles. 
Now I want to look at that today. And the story um, is in Acts 9. And we're going to read 18 verses of this through the sermon. And I want you to follow me. You can follow the scripture right here next to me um, as we do. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. So let's read the story of how Saul became Paul. And how an encounter changed his life that led him to a restart. Now let's read together. Verse 1. It says, Meanwhile Paul was uttering threats with every breath with an, um, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So Paul was, Saul was killing spiritual believers. He had a passion to bring them to law. Then he says, So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressing to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation and arrest of any followers of the way he found there. So he wanted to go to Damascus and, and arrest and bring them to justice. Everyone who was following Jesus and was spirit-filled. Then he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on that mission, on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and reached a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, and sorry, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Now let's just stop there. Saul said, who are you, Lord? He knew it was God. But I think he was so surprised that this was God. He realized that, is he maybe been wrong all this time? So let's go on. He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they, but they saw no one. Paul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him, to, uh, led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and, ate and did not eat or drink. And this is one of the most amazing encounters in the Bible to me. A man who killed followers of Jesus. He was filled with anger and religion and, and law. And Jesus came and encountered him in one moment, changed his life. In one moment, restarted something in Saul's life push him into a place where he needs to follow his purpose. You see, Saul was a devoted follower of the law. We need to remember this. And his life attention, all his focus was to fulfill the law. That was who, Paul, who Saul was. So when he was on his way to arrest Christians in Damascus, and apparently Damascus was filled with spirit-filled Christians. There was a revival in Damascus and he heard about it and he went to the high priest and said, let me go there and arrest all these people and bring them to justice of the law. So God showed up and interrupted him before he even got there. He interrupted his plans. See, the light that shone around, around Saul was so bright that it literally blinded him, blinded him immediately. Now this, this moment happened at noon, at 12 day just afternoon now wh why can i say that because in acts 22 paul quoted the story to the to the leaders of the roman empire and he quoted that says this happened at noon now which is amazing about that just think how bright this light god shone over him must have been 
that it was so bright that in the brightest moment of the day, when the sun shined at its brightest, this light knocked everyone around Paul, Paul included, on their feet. Just think how great and how amazing our God is. Now, I've always wondered about Saul becoming blind. I always thought, well, it's probably just because God's light was bright and it literally blinded him. But see, God is, is never unintentional. There's always an intention of God doing everything that we read. You see, if you meditate on the scripture, you realize that God needed Saul's attention. He needed all of his attention. Because God was a focused, intentional man. If you read of everything he did and you read all his gospels and ach, not his gospel, all his books and uh, his missionary journeys, he was a very focused, intentional man. But God had to <laughs> God had to bring him to a place where he can get all his attention. Now, now with him being blind, God had his attention. God has all his attention. His entire life came to a standstill. His attention was on God. He realized that I've been wrong. I have missed this. Think about the guilt and everything that Paul had to go through in that three days of being blind. That's probably why he didn't eat or drink anything. That Realizing that he was killing the men and women that was actually devoted, spiritual followers of the Jesus he met on that road. Think about the emotions you go through. And God knew that and he wanted all, all souls attention. In that moment. You see, it was a suddenly moment. I love that word. God is a God of suddenly. Paul didn't see it coming. He didn't see this thing coming. But suddenly God come and interrupted his plans. Now God pressed the reset button in Saul's ministry. And he was about to realign him to a place where God can restart him becoming the apostle and a missionary that God called him to be. Now for three days Paul didn't eat or drink anything. He just waited on God. He waited on God. See God was preparing, preparing him to receive a new mandate. A new mandate. Now we've looked in the last couple of sermons during lockdown, we've looked at a sermon series on waiting. And we know that God uses this waiting moments to prepare our hearts. And God was preparing Saul's heart to restart something in his life. Now there's something we can learn from this encounter. I think all of us can learn something from this encounter. Because all of us had some or other encounter with God before. You've had a moment where, where somebody gave you a prophetic word or you, God spoke to you. Or you had an encounter through his scriptures and through his word. And Now the amazing thing that stood out about this encounter is that that Paul, or Saul, immediately took three days. He didn't speak to anyone. He didn't do anything. He took three days to get godly perspective of this encounter. Right? To bring clarity. There's so many times we have a God encounter and we immediately want to tell and share and testify. And, and which is great. But sometimes I've learned through the, through the years that when God encounters us, when we have an amazing moment, we need to give him a chance to give you perspective. If you think about Jesus was baptized, he had this encounter with Father God and Holy Spirit coming down on him. What happened next? He went into the desert. 
Now, the enemy didn't tempt him for 40 days, only in the last five days. But the first few days, he had time by himself to get perspective of God preparing him to restart his or start his ministry. You see, it was in this time when Paul or Saul was sitting in that room alone praying, getting perspective of what God is about to do. You see, in this time when we're sitting at home and we can't do, we can't run on all systems, and maybe some of you are working, some of you are not working yet, but it is a time where God gave us perspective, gave us more clarity on who we are and where He's taking us. But in this time when, when Saul was praying and meditating and getting perspective, God gave him a vision. So let's read about this vision. Let's go over to verse 10. Next verse. Now there was also reading Acts 9 verse 10 to 18, New Living Translation. It says, Now there were a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. And I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. See, Saul saw this vision as he was praying. Now Ananias, look at what he says. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about this terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. It was a good point he made. But the Lord said, go, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. I want you to remember this. Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, to the kings, and as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my, my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, I, want, I love this. If you've got your Bible and you're reading this, won't you just underline all this last two, two scriptures? He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might re regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. I believe in that moment, Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in water. Something restarted in Saul's life that God intended for him to be. Now let's look at Ananias quickly. Ananias was a Jewish law-abiding man, very religious, very a lover of God. And according to all the Jews in Damascus, he was well known and he had a good report by, with everyone. Everyone looked at him as a man of integrity, of a man that loves God. Now, there was nothing Saul would find fault with Ananias as he would come to him. And it actually gave Ananias a very open door to come freely to Saul to speak to him. Now, apart from all this, for all the, all the outstanding reports and all the reputations that Ananias had, one of the greatest qualities of Ananias was that, was that that when the Lord called to him, he was there. When the Lord called him, 
When he called him, he was there. He wasn't any place else. He was waiting on God. He was a man that spent time waiting in God's presence. Listening to God. Listening to what God wanted him to do. Now apart from this story that we know, it is the only time the Bible mentioned Ananias. In the whole Bible. The only story, the only time, the place that was written about him. But he made such an impact. He made an impact on a man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? Now some of the mightiest people, <coughs> some, of, some, of, sorry, some of the mightiest people of God in the Bible went years between miracles and encounters with God. But the thing that made them mighty was that they were constantly in communion with God during those times when, they were no, when there were no revelations or dramatic instructions. They just kept on doing and seeking and waiting on God. But see, many have missed being used by God as Ananias because they were so impatient for the miraculous that they failed to just be there in the presence of God day by day. See, so many of us get impatient, waiting on God, impatient. And Lord, when are you going to come through? I've been waiting, waiting, and I've been trusting you. When are you going to use me, God? But see, one of some of the most greatest men had a miraculous things happen to them years apart. But they kept on seeking God. They were there when God needed them. They were there and ready when God said, go. Now, Ananias had great faith going to a man who had such a reputation of killing spiritual believers. And knowing that who he was, knowing that he was going to see a man who killed Christians, he had more passion to obey God than to die. He didn't care of losing his life or not. He just wanted to obey God. He loved Christ so much. That he just he was willing to die than rather be disobedient. Now historians actually wrote, and I read this in this week, historians actually wrote that um, Ananias became the first bishop of Damascus. And he was one of the martyrs for Christ and for his faith. Although he wasn't mentioned in the Bible again, this was a man who did amazing things for Christ. Now the amazing, the greatest thing for me and for you, <coughs> is that God can use us like he used Ananias. To be a restart in someone else's life. Do you know that? God can use you. He can use me. He can use us. He can use our church. Now God told him, told Ananias that Paul would become one of the greatest missionaries in the world. That he will speak before kings and leaders. But he never told Ananias that he would receive a reward. He would come to him. But Ananias was willing to be an instrument in God's hand that will empower another man to be launched, to be restarted. Now, if you are a father today and you're listening into our live stream, I want to encourage you that God called you as a dad to empower your children. And we might not become anyone or maybe... We might not become somebody that, that, that articles is written about. But our children have the potential to become great. To become someone incredible. Maybe your children are called to reach thousands and millions. 
to become leaders of, um, of society, become great business owners. And we have an opportunity to have an impact on their lives today, tomorrow, and their whole lives as we journey with them, as we obey God in that moment when we, when we journey with them. You see, as fathers, we have to set, to align, and to start their lives and to set them up as they go. But also as they go to reset, to realign and to restart their lives as we journey with them, as we, as we um, journey life and relationship with them. We've got such a great and important role that we play, not only in our children's lives, but still people around us. See, sometimes you can father a man or a woman, if you are a woman, by discipling them. And father them in the spiritual walk with them that they have with God. And as you, as you minister to them and disciple them, they can reach thousands that you probably won't. There's so many times that if you read about Barnabas, who went and sought out Saul, who was in Tarsus, hiding away and waiting. And he went and he looked for him and he took him on a missionary journey, later becoming Paul. And you never read about Barnabas again, but you read about Paul. And Paul became great. But see, Barnabas had a, a discipleship moments with Paul. He pressed, he, he was part of that restart moment of taking Saul to Paul, the missionary. Now, when Ananias prayed for Saul, when he prayed for Saul or Paul, scales fell from his eyes and his eyes opened. And he could see again. Now this is very prophetic to all of us. See, when Paul's eyes opened, he saw life differently. Totally. Why? Because God took him through a moment, through an interruption, where he prepped him, and where he um, aligned him to a place where God wants to start and restart a ministry through his life. He saw life differently. God had to change God, Paul's perspective. He had to change his perspective on life and who God was before he could restart his ministry. And that was why that three days was so important. See, sometimes God needs us to get diff a different perspective of, on life. He just needs us to, to get that different perspective because God knows what's ahead of our lives, what's ahead of our children's lives, the people we're speaking into um, in, in their lives. You see, Paul saw a new gospel of grace and power rather than a, a gospel of law or a religion of law and, and suffering and he found his true purpose in God in that three days when his eyes opened he saw life differently he saw the gospel differently he saw grace for the first time now Paul immediately started preaching if you read a couple of verses on he reads in verse 20 it's not on here, but it says that Paul immediately started preaching in the synagogues. What did he preach? Christ. You see, you could see that from a man who walked from a religious perspective, law, killing Christians, believers, suddenly, a few days afterwards, started preaching Christ in the synagogues. The man he was pursuing. Or, or <laughs> he was pursuing Christians who was filled with Christ. He was preaching about the same man. Now maybe this morning you feel like Paul or Saul 
and you feel blinded by the issues and the challenges around you in your life. You feel blinded and, and you feel that God has interrupted my life through this lockdown and COVID-19 so much that I don't know where I'm at. And God's interruption threw me so off God that I don't know where to go. I feel like a blind soul sitting in my room and all I can do is trust God and pray and trust Him that He will send an Ananias or trust Him that He will give me a purpose for this restart in my life. Now, God has placed Ananias all around you. If you never noticed that. He has placed Ananias all around you. And we just need to reach out and trust God for that restart in our life, in our family, in your business, maybe in your devotional life with God. God is about to restart something new that you've never thought would, would happen. And sometimes He places Ananias in your life that can help you and direct you and disciple you. Don't miss that moment. You see, God has such a great plan and a purpose for your life. As a father, as a man, maybe as a woman and a mother, God has a plan for your life. Now then, for all your Ananias out there, now I know that God has called all of us to be Ananias to someone in our lives. Why? Because God is a God of discipleship. He has called us to disciple the nations, to disciple. Well, how do we disciple the nations? You disciple the man or the woman right next to you. And only you can only make disciples if you are a disciple yourself. And we all are called to be Ananias, that we hear God's voice and we speak and reach out in someone's life that brings a restart. Now I want to say, if you feel like you're in a place where you feel like Ananias today, that I want to encourage you not to miss that moment that God calls or when God calls. I want to encourage you to wait patiently, although you don't feel anything is happening at the moment. Maybe you've asked the question, Lord, are you ever going to use me in anything in the, in, the, in the kingdom of God? But I want to encourage you to keep on waiting. Keep on waiting for God to, to come and send you so that you can be that restart in someone's life. You see, God can use you or us or me today or tomorrow to touch a life. And that life can touch millions. That life can touch the economy in South Africa. It can touch schools, the educational system. It can do so much if we're just willing to wait and obey God. Now, ending this lockdown and pandemic, we're going to face, all of us, we're going to face a restart in something in our lives. We're going to have to restart. We, we're going to resume, have to resume something that suddenly went passive. Now, we all know that we need to restart church because we are not called to be an online church forever. We might be continuing our live stream and online services, but God has called us to be in fellowship on a, on a weekly basis, um, seeing each other, praying for each other, walking and discipling each other. Now, our challenge in this is, will we grab hold of this restart moment or will we miss it? Because God has a great purpose for you and for me and for, for so many of us. Now there have been so many Pauls still blinded. And you're sitting and you're waiting and you feel still blinded at home. 
and you're too scared to obey what God is busy calling you to step into. I want to encourage you to embrace God's plan for your life. He's busy restarting something that you might not see now, but God is busy planning something that will be so much greater than you've ever seen in your life. All we need to do is obey Him and embrace Him for what He's about to do. See, God is busy resetting you. He's busy realigning you. Now it's time to restart that something new that God is already placing on your heart. He's already the opportunities are in front of you. Are you going to grab it? Are you still going to sit in passivity and wait till for another sign? And maybe say, Lord, just another sign like Gideon did. I believe it's time for God to open our eyes and for us to see clearer than ever before. God is ready to open your eyes. Are you ready to invite the Ananias into your life or ready to embrace that purpose that God had for you? You see, revival is here. And you've, you've, we've heard everyone say that in the last couple of weeks, that revival is here. But I want to say that revival starts in our hearts before it starts around us. And revival starts when God pushes restart in your life. Restart, like he said to Saul. Saul, I want to press restart in your heart. And I want, to, I want to bring you to a place where you'll become Paul. And revival will start from your life. I want to encourage you this morning that God is about to bring revival through your life to others. You just need to be willing to step out. To step out and trust God. Maybe some of you are listening in this morning and you are fearful of what, what will happen when God restarts something. Or Lord, Lord, will it ever be the same as it has been? I want to pray for you this morning. and I want to encourage you. And maybe you're a dad this morning watching and, and you feel like, hey, I need a restart in, the, in my role as a father. I need a restart in how I work and pray and, 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 and trust my children. I need a restart in how I see myself as a dad this morning. And I want to pray for you. and I want to trust God with you this morning. That God will change your perception and your perspective of being a father. And showing you that you are an Ananias for your children. And as well that you are a soul and I'm pressing restart in your life. As I'm changing things. As we're going through all this now. So let's pray this morning together. And I want to invite you to put your hand on your heart. Maybe as a family you can take hands this morning. And maybe pray for each other. And I want to trust God this morning. That as He's restarting something. Not just, just around us. And the society and community and economy around us. But that God will start something deep in your heart. Through this pandemic. Through this waiting season. And that you will never be the same. And that you will step into that place of purpose. That God has called you to step into. You ready? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you this morning. Lord, we open our, our, our arms and our hands and our lives and our hearts this morning to you, Father God. And Father God, we pray and we trust you that, that you will, as you've brought us to a place. And as maybe it's a road to Damascus. That you had to suddenly interrupt our lives. Lord, we pray that, 
that, that we will embrace you. That everyone who's listening to me this morning will embrace you, Father God. Whatever you are restarting in their lives, that you will embrace or you will prepare them as they embrace you, Father. Father, I pray that, that you will throw off all the guilt of not being a good father, of not being a good man or woman of God, or not being a good Christian even. And Father, I pray that that, that guilt will stop this morning and that you will reset us and that you will realign us and that you will restart us this morning, today, to be the man or the woman that you've called us to be. Father, I pray this morning that as we're having a, a moment in your presence, and even today as, we, as we're celebrating the fathers of this, of, of, uh, all around the world, that you will reset and restart our identity as dads and as men of God, and even as women of God this morning, that you will restart our identity in who you called us to be. Father, I pray that this will be a purpose-filled week where you will remind us of the purpose that you've called us to do. Lord, maybe there's some of you here this morning and as I'm praying, you feel purposeless. You feel that I struggle to find my purpose, even in times of, of, of this COVID-19 and lockdown, that I realized that I found my purpose in so many things I did, but always missed my true purpose. And in this waiting period and in this time of waiting, just waiting on God, that God is preparing you for, this, for the right purpose in your life. Father, I pray that as we're praying now this morning, that you are releasing men and women into their purpose. You're releasing them for a new start, something new in their lives, and that you will, that you will usher them out of that place of fear into that place of boldness, and a faith to embrace what you have for them. Father, I pray that, that we will hear of new testimonies of men and women who stood up and made an impact in life. Weeks to come. Months from now. Even years from now, seeing the fruit of this one moment of obedience. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.